Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. If you're anything like me, your health is very important to you. I know you listen to the show for tips to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Well, I have some great news for you. James Miller Lifeology has partnered with BioOptimizers Nutrition. As an avid nutrition and exercise enthusiast, I thought I knew a lot. But after taking a 12-week health course BioOptimizers offers and implementing their supplements, I noticed a huge difference in my energy and my digestive tract. Since you're a listener of Lifeology Radio, BioOptimizers is offering you the same 12-week course absolutely free. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements to take this free course. Here is a sample of what you'd learn. How to get 70% more energy in 30 seconds or less. The ultimate key to high performance, health, and longevity. How to turn the tide against uncontrollable food cravings. How to select the most powerful supplements for you. How to stay lean and trim without sacrifice. The simplest and fastest way to detoxification and great skin. And much, much more. To get access to this awesome health course, simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements and sign up today. Once again, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you decide what information to share with others. I'll also be interviewing executive coach for Harvard Business School, executive education, Ann Sugar, who shares her wisdom on what to do when an employee divulges life-altering information. For more information on Ann, please visit annsugar.com. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Sharing your information. Life happens. Many times we're blindsided by situations and we're uncertain of what to do. When this happens, who is in your corner that you can divulge this information to? It's important to create a list of individuals who are in your life who can support you. And the way that I would have you separate this is to have two columns. One column are the people you want to tell, and the other column are the people you need to tell. There's a difference. Usually the people we want to tell are those people who emotionally support us. We feel very close to them, and we have an emotional bond with them that we know that they're going to be in our corner. And the people that we need to tell are usually people that we have more of a professional or more of a distant relationship with. For example, that could be a teacher, that could be your boss, or somebody to whom you may be accountable. When you decide who these people are, you want to ask yourself, what's my motivation? Why am I telling them? When you can understand the objective for what you want to accomplish when you tell these individuals, it helps you set the precedent for how your needs can be met. There's nothing worse than telling someone that really cares about you what you're experiencing and they try and fix it for you when that's not what you were looking for. 
You simply wanted a shoulder to cry on. Or conversely, you tell someone that you need to tell and they dismiss you or they minimize what your experience is. So when you recognize what your motivation is for why you're going to tell people, it helps you then map out what your expectations are for each individual. For the people who emotionally support you or the people you want to tell, I would even suggest that you write some type of suggestion of what you hope to accomplish. For example, let's say it's your parent that you want to tell. Perhaps you want advice from them. If it's your best friend, perhaps you want a hug from them. When you approach these people and set the precedent for what you'd like, it helps you then get your needs met. And then of course, when it comes to the people that you need to tell, figure out what it is that you hope to accomplish. For example, if it's your boss, you want them to know what's happening because you may no longer be able to work for a while. And what would you like the outcome to be? So when you can strategize this, you can approach these individuals in a proactive or anticipatory stance to your needs will be met. I would even recommend that perhaps for the people that you need to tell, that you write out a script or just even bullet points of the topics you want to cover. And then even practice this with the individuals that you want to tell. Let them role play that with you. There's nothing worse than feeling really vulnerable or overwhelmed in a life-altering situation and then having to tell somebody that you need to tell when you don't have that emotional connection. It can be very overwhelming and very stressful. So that's why the people that you want to tell, once again, your family and friends, practice this with them, and therefore you know what to expect when you do have to approach the people you need to tell. One other thing that's really important is the timing. There's nothing worse than divulging information to people you need to tell or want to tell, and they're not emotionally present or they're doing something else. When it feels like your life has changed significantly and it's very overwhelming for you and you tell these people and you feel like you're not getting the response or perhaps even the attention that you'd like, it's very minimizing and unfortunately it can cause a rift between the two of you. So sometimes you just simply ask them, are you free to talk? I have something very important to talk with you about. Let me know when you're available. I'd like to discuss this with you. When people know that you're going to share something very important with them, they will let you know if they're able to do that right then or not. But if you want to tell people or need to tell people this information and they're not able to give you the time and energy that you'd like, and unfortunately, you created the platform for there to be a miscommunication and sometimes you can alienate yourself. So I'd really recommend that you create this list Figure out who you want to tell, who you need to tell, what's your motivation for telling these people this information, what do you hope the outcome is going to be, and then practice it with someone else. And of course, figure out when the timing is correct, because that's an assured way that you're going to get your needs met. The interview that you're going to hear with Ann Sugar, she's going to help you understand this on the other side of it. If you are an employer or someone that's in a supervisory role, when you have someone who does share this information, what do you do? So this is a really good show because it's going to look at both sides from the person who's experiencing it, and then you'll hear on the other side of it and the person who hears it. What do you do? So stay tuned for this awesome interview. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. Anne Sugar is an executive coach and speaker who has advised top leaders in companies including TripAdvisor, Sanofi Genzyme, and Havas. Anne serves as an executive coach for Harvard Business School Executive Education and has guest lectured at MIT. She's here today to share her wisdom on what to do when your employee divulges life-altering information. Welcome to my show, Anne. 
Uh, thank you, James, so much for the introduction. I'm really excited to talk to you today. I am as well. You have so much wisdom that I know my listeners are really going to be able to draw on that. So now you were, you didn't always start out as an executive coach. You were actually in the advertising world. Is that correct? Yes. Um, yes, I was. So I have worked, I worked in the advertising world for about 18 years. So, you know, I'm kind of dating myself here. I worked um, on Apple, the personal Apple computer. I worked oh, wow, yeah. on American Express corporate card launch. So um, I've kind of, I grew up in an advertising world where there was so much interesting focus on um, creativity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people ask me, well, wow, how did you transition from senior leadership in advertising to being an executive coach. Yeah. And I think, you know, I start off in first, there's a piece of research that says over the course of our careers, we typically have about five different careers. Oh, interesting. So wow. I'm only on number two right now, but I'm very happy at number two. Um, and the thing for me is, and I, I coach a lot of senior executives on this, is listening to your gut. Mm-hmm. And I was in senior leadership. I ha- I was managing a department of 75 Um, individuals in a media department, and something just wasn't right for me anymore in terms of, you know, I lived in that creative space, and as advertising has evolved and changed, and how I changed as a leader, I was working more about thinking about the margins. Was, uh, you know, was this client profitable, et cetera, and things like that, and the thing that was made me the happiest was the people. Mm. And and I mentored people and, um, you know, when I mentored people and I saw them grow and get promoted, that's what made me the happiest. You know, it's really interesting when you say it because I actually have a lot of people with whom I work and that's the thing you're like, I don't really like my job, but when I get to mentor, you know, I have this one person that I know, she mentors hundreds of women and that's the favorite part of her job and so unfortunately kind of goes into her own personal self-care because she loves it so much but I really like this I like to hear how just do that transition for yourself um, and obviously you haven't told us all that happened but to go from your job to as an executive coach you get to work specifically with them you get to mentor them so all my listeners listen to that right now if you find that there's only one particular element of the job you like that may be the next augmentation or the next version of perhaps what your new career may look like Absolutely. Or, you know, as I coach some individuals, it might be a passion. So what if you mentor in a school Mm -hmm. or you do that? And I decided to take the big leap off the cliff and I went back and got certified as an executive coach. um, And all that, you know, has to do with um, with coaching. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that I like about coaching the best for me is when I coach somebody, I've been in their shoes. Yes. I understand what it's like when you have to motivate a difficult team member or you have to hear something that's, you know, when a client or an employee or when an employee divulges, mm-hmm. you know, something that's life altering for them. And it's, you know, as, as you know, and I've been in the business world myself and man, I've regional directors, all these things. And when that happens, you're like, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do? You know, because you have, they've divulged something that's incredibly personal. And those people who have really good boundaries, which I'm assuming most of us do, to hear that, to go from a personal standpoint, which is then brought into the business world, which is usually a no-no, what do you do with that? So that's that's a great segue. Let's go right into that. So you actually had this situation yourself. You divulged some information to your employer. And what was, what happened with you? 
So for me, back in 2011, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. And the kind of the, the interesting thing for me was I was actually training for a sprint triathlon at that time. Oh, wow. I was in the best shape <laughs> that I could possibly have been in at that point. And, you know, I think as leaders and just people that we work with, we're going to get those surprises. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it comes kind of sometimes out of left field. And so for me, as an executive coach, I had to think about, well, how am I going to navigate this situation with the companies that I work with? Mm -hmm. How do I tell clients that I work with? And also, interestingly enough, I learned a lot about how people react to me as well. Oh, okay. That's good so, information. You know, so because it, it is kind of surprising and shocking, mm -hmm. right? That that there's and this is going to happen more and more out there, whether it's, you know, it can be a parent who's sick, um, a child. Well, all, when I went out and interviewed people about this, there's so many different things. It doesn't have to be about cancer. It can be, um, you know, like I said before, a child, a parent. Sure. There's so many things. So many things. And why I wrote this article for Harvard Business Review is at the time, I would ask a lot of people, so what do you do? And I didn't know there, there wasn't a kind of centralized location mm -hmm. of a roadmap of what to do. And sure. what I talk about is there's so many different kind of iterations and flavors to it. But I wanted to put something down on paper that talked about, well, sharing some, and disclosing some of the things that worked and didn't work for me. And then also when I went out and interviewed a lot of other HR directors um, about how they deal with those situations or how leaders deal with those situations or even a coworker, what do you do? Mm -hmm. and, kind of, and give people a stake in the ground of, hey, here's one way to think about dealing with these very sensitive topics because at the end of the day, we all need to lead with empathy. Yes. It is a business. Yeah, exactly. But huh? we need to lead with empathy mm -hmm. as well. Well, because a business is only strong as a culture that's created. And so if you are in a culture that does not have empathy, does not have respect or common ground in that respect, then unfortunately, it's not going to grow. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So let's jump into the, into the article itself. So one of the first guidelines that you have is allow your employee to control the terms of disclosure. Right. Tell us more about that. So, you know, if you think about it, some people, you know, just even how you flex as a leader and work with different people and motivate them, people have different ways of how they like to share information. So for example, for me, I did not feel comfortable calling, I didn't want to surprise mm -hmm. the clients and companies that I worked with. So I sent out an email first and then followed up with a conversation. Sure. That was the way I wanted to disclose, mm -hmm. you know, in, in sometimes it's interesting in some, sometimes people want to do, do real, do a lot and help people. But some people want to, some people who have these issues want to, want to sit back and are sure. very private. Sure. So for example, you know, you might want to create a fund and help somebody or create a list of who's going to bring dinner to, to this person. Well, sometimes people don't want that. Yes. They want to keep it private 
and close to themselves. And, you know, for some people, if let's say, for example, they're going through chemo, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want people to see that life Mm -hmm. is changing for them. They want to keep status quo. Well, I think also just even getting some really life altering information it's going to take some time for that person to process it themselves, you know? So they hear this and like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? My life is going to change. I don't know what my future looks like. And then to have to divulge or discuss it, just even getting over that pitfall, it's such a vulnerable position to be in. And I think it's so, it's great that so many employers have this benevolent intent, but yes, too much is too much. And so I, I love hearing how you really help the employer really allow the employee to set the precedent because there's nothing worse than all giving something and then the person doesn't want it, which then creates a rift and all this other struggle may ensue from that. Right. And, and how do you, as a leader, write a letter? So for example, somebody wrote a letter that uh, divulging um, that somebody was going through cancer treatment in their group and they just kept, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. I'm really about simplicity sure. in terms of leadership, how you write, how you divulge something, just keep it simple. Yes. And straight to the point. Yes. And that is one of the most difficult things, especially when their employer has to figure out what to write. You know, you say you keep it simple. What are the specific, perhaps keywords or words that they really should not use? Oh, that's a great question. I think that something very important to not talk about is, particularly if somebody's coming back or just their point of view, that somebody's cured, mm. somebody, um, you know, if somebody's going to be cured, how long they're going to be away, because all of those pieces, we we can't really say. Mm -hmm. It just depends on the situation. So to be very cautious about declarations, Mm. I think the most important. Yeah, that, that's really that's really good. And even in that response, because you know you you send up the general email to your staff, but is do you also put in there, or is this one you do offline without the person who's struggling? Do you send them another email that says don't interact with them? I mean, how how do you do that? Because uh, you have a general um, announcement, but then people mm-hmm. are going to want to you know people have have that empathy like we talked about. They're going to want to offer condolences. Is there another email that goes along with it, or what would you be your suggestion with that? So typically what I like to say is just keep it simple in one email. Mm -hmm. So the concluding sentence might be something like, well, please contact me if you have any questions or concerns and you be the point person in the beginning for people, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it depends, but that's typically what I would recommend. Sure. But, But as I said before, Every situation is unique. Exactly. And I do know that, you know, people with, I've, with whom I've worked, they, they definitely have that vulnerability. So let's say they just have this information, they just read the email, and then they're flooded with all these people who come to them over and over. Like I said, it's benevolent intent, but it's overwhelming. Absolutely. And then the person just shuts down. And then perhaps if the person does shut down, the other person offering their benevolence, um, their feelings are hurt. It's like, well, I was just trying to help. But, right. you know, one thing I've really learned is we judge others by their behaviors, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. So that's unfortunate that their behaviors that, you know, for example, if I'm struggling with something and I respond in a way to someone that's maybe kind of distanced from them, that person, those people are going to see my behavior and not why I'm doing it. And then they'll judge me based off of that. And unfortunately, that's where that rift can be created in a, in a work environment. Absolutely, James. That's brilliantly said. You're absolutely right. And that gets into the point of no judgment is really what, you know, 
in, in summary too. Yes, that's exactly. brilliant. Yes. Oh, thank you. And then the next part you have is develop a work plan, which I mean, that's I think that's has so many elements to that. Why don't we discuss more of that? Sure. You know, and I think too, people think, oh, a work plan, just something else for me to have to do. <laughs> so the first thing that we need to think about is, so how is the work going to be accomplished when somebody's out um, on leave? And for me, I think I learned that I needed to create a plan. So as I was going through my cancer recovery, typically it takes about eight weeks to start feeling better. And unfortunately, I was not I was not able to go back to work um, until 12 weeks. We just, our bodies, you don't know, and you don't know how your body is going to react to. So I had to, so I was very grateful in the beginning that I had created a plan of, well, here's how I'm going to finish this work. I can't do big management development trainings. So I'm going to put those off or I'm going to give that to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can have virtual meetings. I can follow up with emails. And each week I set different milestones for myself and I understood what I couldn't, couldn't do. Mm-hmm. So that really gets into the point of the plan um, with your team. So who do you delegate to and how do you create specific expectations and those in those deliverables so that you do have an exact delegation plan so that works work gets done because today you know teams are lean mm-hmm. and sure. the work still has to get done so it's really about short-term and long-term plans in terms of how is that work going to get done when somebody's out of the office which is which is obviously great information i wanted to ask this though to maintain the culture of that, because it, like you said, teams are very lean and all of a sudden to know that I now have to do more work or perhaps pick up the quote unquote slack from the person who's struggling. How do you help the morale of those teams stay more, more even keeled? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, one thing that I think that's most important is having a high touch strategy in terms of communication. Mm-hmm. And checking in on the person, the people who are left in the office, how are they doing? How are they feeling? How can I help you? And in some instances, you as a leader have to roll up your sleeves and help. Sure. Right. And I think that's also one thing to communicate is that this is just short term. This is not something that's going to continue and indefinitely. Sure. And that's a hard thing to really wrap our head around because in the moment it feels like, oh my gosh, this is going to last forever. And that is hard. And unfortunately, we don't yet know perhaps what the prognosis is or when it's going to end, but we do know it is going to end. So really helping people recognize that. Is there a way to, I mean, it possible to incentivize something or perhaps to have a celebration if obviously if everything goes well with this person's life altering events, but is it important to recreate a celebratory environment for the team? as a whole? When somebody comes back? Sure. I, I de- you know, I definitely think so from mm-hmm. the perspective of lead with empathy. Mm-hmm. So when somebody's coming back, back yeah. for the first time in the office, do you meet them at the door when they go back to their desk? Is there, let's just say, for example, flowers on their desk. Do you almost take them back around as and almost create the scenario 
of a new employee because they haven't been oh, there wow, for a while. Yeah. yeah, the reintegration as well. Sure. Absolutely. Does, you know, the department head come and chat with them? Mm-hmm. Do you have a lunch? Just, you know what I think it really gets to, James, is just the small details that really have the largest impact. Flowers sure. on a desk, making sure that their computers or their phone, whatever that is from a technology perspective, mm-hmm. it's just up and running for them. What is it? Maya Angelou said it uh, doesn't matter. I'm totally going to butcher this because she's so eloquent. It doesn't oh. matter what people say or people remember not what you say, but how you made them feel. Yes. And so that is, I think, exactly what would be speaking to what you're saying there as well. How do people feel when they return? What is the next part of that, though, to reintegrate them with their workload? Because I, I think, you know, people, I'm sure even the teammates are like, oh, the person's back. Let's, here you go. <laughs> Here's all your work again. Right. Right. And I I think, again, it gets to having a plan of attack Mm. for you as a leader. What is it that like I like I said before, James, almost looking at this person as a new employee. So reintegrating with the person who was was taking over their work and creating a plan to slowly transition Mm -hmm. that off. So it might be so really tactical, again, getting to the simple of, do you have, do these two people have a status meeting every day? Then it gets to once a week. So it's, it's a transition plan of working through those specific details, right? So it's, it's phased. So it's almost like a new onboarding process that a new employee would have. Absolutely. Whatever that scenario is for a new employee, it's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. Sure. But then when things perhaps don't go the way we thought, I know you have, you help them create a plan B. What does that really mean? So, and, and that really gets into my point that I said before in terms of, I really thought I would be back traveling and presenting after eight weeks. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I was very healthy before um, I had my surgeries and I thought that it would just be something turnkey. And as I said before, many times it doesn't work that way. And how do you really set for your um, team member realistic expectations of what you can get done? So that gets into having a plan B, having a plan C. What can you realistically get done? Yeah, that's that's powerful. I, I think I like the realistic part because we have, you know, there's still deadlines. The company must go on, it must, it must thrive, but there are still deadlines for everybody, but it's realistic of getting something done. And I think too that at the end of the day, I, I you know, I'm I've been talking a lot about leading with empathy, but at the end of the day, it is still a business. Mm-hmm. Yes. And sometimes leaders have to make that hard decision in terms of what what can somebody do and not do when they come back. So for example, I had during that 12 weeks, I had a company that said to me, we just can't wait for you. And we need to move on to another executive coach. And that was really painful. Sure. And you know, it was shocking to me. But yeah, of course. at the end of the day, I really understood that business, this person really needed the coaching and they needed to move on to somebody mm-hmm. else. And another company I, that I was talking to at that point said, well, wait eight weeks for you. You just tell me when you're ready and you'll come in oh, and start yeah. working with us. Yeah. So neither, you know, neither scenario is right or wrong. 
it's what's good for the, it, you have to think about what's good for the company sure. too. And I really like on the, how you say this as well as someone who experiences is to not take it personally per se. We understand business is business, but of course, when someone's overwhelmed with something, personally overwhelmed with something, it is going to feel they are going to perhaps perceive it as, as a personal affront as opposed to business is business. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really difficult. Sure. It's just the balance that the work still has to get done. Exactly. Well, Ann Sugar, I really appreciate you guesting or being a guest on my show today. It was, it was brilliant. I love this conversation. I think it was incredibly relevant so, for so many of my listeners. So thank you once again for joining with us today. If my listeners like to find out more information about you and all the amazing work you're doing, where would they find this information online? Uh, you can reach me at annsugar.com. So it's Ann, A-N-N-E, sugar, just like sugar.com. And you can also sign up on my email, um, on my email piece as well for, for a lot more information. Wonderful. Well, Ann, well, thank you so much for being a guest with us today. I really do appreciate your time. Uh, thanks so much, James. It was great speaking with you. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.